Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we'd like to look at verse 23. Verse 23 of Ephesians chapter 4 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let's back up and read verse 22 and also verse 24. That you put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness or holiness of truth. Now, in the Living Bible, verse 23 is stated like this. Now, your attitudes and thoughts must all be changing for the better. Your attitudes and your thoughts must all be changing for the better. And he throws it right in the middle of put off the old man and put on the new man. Get rid of all the effects of the old nature and allow the new nature to take you over. Put on Christ. And how do we do that? He tells us right here. By changing our thoughts and attitudes. By changing our thoughts and attitudes. If we don't change our thoughts and attitudes then we are not going to be able to walk in the person of Christ. If we don't do something about change in our own lives, then Christ is not going to rule our hearts. And He won't be seen through our lives here on this earth. We're to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. And the only way that the world can possibly see is by our actions, our deeds, the things that we say and the things that we do. And beloved, if our attitudes and thoughts are not changing for the better, then they're not going to see Christ in us the way we need to see Christ in us in order for them to believe that we serve the true and living God. Amen? Our thoughts and attitudes must constantly or always be being changed for the better. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I realized I had a lot of attitudes to deal with. I had a lot of thinking that needed to be changed. The things that I thought were true were not. And the attitudes that I maintained or held before were not attitudes that would reflect the very love of God and the person of Christ. And so no matter who we are, when we first get saved, it's imperative that we change in our attitudes, and change in our way of thinking. Because God's thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. As high as the heaven is above the earth, His thoughts are much higher than ours. And He can't show us mercy. And He can't reach out and do all that He wants to do for us in life unless we adjust our attitudes and change our thoughts. And so if we'll do that, praise God, He guarantees us a fulfilled life or a life full of His glory and full of His power. With that thought in mind, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12 also. But keep that thought in mind. Be changed in your thoughts and attitudes if you really want to put on Christ and show forth His person among men. You know this verse in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, and it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Notice that the Bible talks a lot about attitudes and it talks much about our way of thinking. See, an attitude is a mental stand or position. It's the way we view or regard something. You can take a mental stand or position that is contrary to the Word and will of God for your life and not even realize it unless your mind has been renewed to the Word of God. 
As a matter of fact, there are a lot of people today that have taken a stand against the baptism in the Holy Ghost with fire and speaking without a, with, with, with tongues, with other tongues. And the thing is, they've not been renewed in the spirit of their mind. And the stand that they are taking or the position that they are holding in their mind is really an attitude that conflicts with the mind and the attitude of God. And we can take that thought and carry it over in every area of our lives. And it will be true in every area. If we don't line up with the mind of God and if we don't change our attitudes to be conformed to His, then our attitudes and our way of thinking are going to get us into deep trouble. We're not going to grow as we ought to grow in Christ. And everyone who wants to grow has got to make changes. At least last I read somewhere in this Bible, it says that God never changes. So if we're waiting for God to do something so that we can have more of Him in our lives, and we can show forth more of His character or ability and power, we've got a long wait ahead of us. God does not need to change. We have got to change. Can you say amen to that? And where do we have to change in our way of thinking? And also in the attitudes that we possess, the mental stand that we take with regard to many different subjects in the Bible. But here, the word transform means to change in disposition, character, or heart. God wants us not to be conformed to this world. He doesn't want us to be molded into the image of this world. He wants us to be molded into the image of Christ. And that means we have got to change. But you say, well, I've been changed on the inside. But that's not enough. Just because your spirit man has been born again doesn't mean that your spirit man has the liberty to live through your life. You see, unless the mind is renewed to the Word of God, we are not going to change. And the life of God on the inside of us is not going to manifest through us. He wants us transformed so that we can show forth the will of God. And what is the will of God for our lives? That we be conformed to the image of His Son is the main will of God for all of our lives. How many of you believe that? We are to be Christ-like here on this earth. If we want to do the works of Him, then we're going to have to walk in His character. Amen? We're going to have to have the same mind that He had and walk in that same mind. But that doesn't come easy. That requires change in all of our lives. And we've got to be willing to submit to that kind of change. Now, notice here. Be transformed by the renewing. To renew means to repair, to restore, to rebuild, to renovate, or to grow from the inside to the outside. And if you really look at it properly, what it's saying is we need to be repaired in the way we think. Our thinking is wrong and we've got to be restored. To restore something that has, let's say, that is in a state of deprivation. For example, you can uh, find yourself an old building somewhere and you can look at that building and you can check it out and discover it's got a great foundation. But the outward appearance and all the inside is dilapidated. Have you ever seen a building like that? Our brother Mark here knows all about a building like that. Right, brother Mark? He purchased himself a building about 100 years old. And he took upon himself a challenge. He was going to make that because he saw a great foundation there. He's going to, to, to restore or to rebuild, to take it back to its former state. I'm sure a hundred years ago it looked absolutely positively wonderful and beautiful. But after a hundred years of existence, things began to fall apart. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, this one time beautiful edifice has now been turned into something that needs a lot of repair. It needs to be rebuilt. It needs to be restored. It needs to be renovated to be brought back to a former state. And if I know our brother, he'll take it back to a more beautiful state. But the whole idea is this. He's involved in a lot of work. He said, I can only use this testimony if I enlist helpers. So he needs help. You've got strength out there. You help our brother in the Lord. Amen. Do your part. <laughs> but you see, the thing is, he has taken upon himself a workload. And in a situation like that, you've got to go in and you've got to tear out, you've got to tear down, you've got to remove this, you've got to do that. And I've been there and he has gutted the place. I'm telling you, he's just done everything he possibly can. He probably brought it down to its foundation. 
Well, thank God for a good, solid foundation. And thank God that when we were born again, we were given a great foundation. But you don't live in your foundation. Do you? Thank God for the foundation, but you don't live in the foundation. You still have to build a building. And Jesus Christ is our foundation, the chief cornerstone. And we're built upon the apostles and the prophets, etc., etc. But, beloved, each and every one of us needs to build a house of God right here in our own lives. We all have the same foundation because we've all been washed in the same blood. But you know what? If one gets further than the other, it's only because they have been busy repairing, restoring, renovating, refurbishing, renewing the spirit of their mind. And that takes an awful lot of work. It takes an awful lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of energy on our part. See, it does not just happen through osmosis. We don't lay down and put our heads on the Word of God at night and think that because we do that, it's going to jump into our brain. It doesn't work that way. We have got to get into the Word of God for ourselves. And you know what? You'll start reading some things that that go against what you think right now. You know why? Because our thought patterns are in a fallen state. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It's in a state of rebellion against God. It is an active force of hatred or antagonism or rebellion against the mind and the knowledge of the living God. And so every one of us must repair, restore, renew, refurbish the spirit of our mind. And that's a lot of work, beloved. See, this carnal mind is enmity against God. It doesn't think like God thinks. And when God says you're healed, your body says no, and your mind just is baffled. It doesn't know what to say. It doesn't know what to think. It doesn't know what to do. Because the body's saying one thing, the Word's saying another thing, and it's all confused. And it takes time for the individual to say, look, mind, settle down. Be still and know that God and His Word are true. And we teach ourselves to submit to the Word of God and not to feeling. And when God tells you to do something that seems to be foolish, we are to learn to trust Him with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. Why? Because this carnal mind is not a safe guide. This carnal mind is in a state of rebellion. It doesn't agree with faith. It agrees with reason. And sometimes God will tell us to do certain things that we can't reason out. It doesn't make any sense to do something like that. But God can see the broader and the bigger picture. And so he says, look, take the time that is necessary to get renewed in the spirit of your mind and get restored to a former state. Well, what's the former state? Go back to Adam. And can you only imagine how Adam used his mind to please God? Can you imagine the abilities that he possessed in the very beginning when God breathed into him the breath of life and and made him a living soul and gave him the wisdom and the knowledge that he needed to rule all the works of God's hands? To name all the animals and etc. and etc. and etc. Can you imagine the glorious state his mind was in? And then, of course, as Ephesians says, when he fell, his mind was darkened. He was estranged from the life of God. And now this mind has stored up rebellion, stored up hatred against the knowledge of God. And God, in His love for us, provided this Word. Oh, thank God for the Word. He provided the Word of God so that we could be renewed in the spirit of of our minds and we can be taken back to that former state where we begin to think like God thinks, the way He wants us to think. You know, the carnal mind is not really trained to walk in love. As a matter of fact, when we do, or when we are wronged in any way in this life, the natural carnal reaction of the mind is to retaliate and to rebel, to get even, to to pour out vengeance and that sort of thing. But you know what? The easiest thing for us to do is to walk in love. You say, why do you say that's easy? Because it's one choice and one decision. I'm just going to walk in love. I'm just going to fulfill the law of love. I'm just going to walk in love. And I don't have to do anything else because you know why? Love never fails. Someone recently asked me, how did you hold yourself together when you experienced so many difficult situations in your life? I said, I only found one thing that didn't fail and it was called love. But people were saying this about you. People were saying that about you. And and all this talk was going on and all these different things were coming your way. What did you do? I said, all I did was said, Father, I love every one of them. 
And Father, I will not criticize any one of them. I'll just uphold them before you in love. How many know the carnal mind doesn't think like that? But haven't they wronged you and haven't they done this and didn't they do that and they don't know this? And I said, all God's Word says is to love them. All God's Word says is that love never fails. Teach your mind to submit to love and you will never fail. You'll succeed in all that you set your heart to do because love never fails and that's what what motivates your life. But you see, beloved... There are some people out there that don't want to submit to that. They don't want to submit to the Word of God. They want to allow their own carnality to lead them. But that is rebellion against God. Romans 8 says the carnal mind is in a state of rebellion. It needs to be reprogrammed. It needs to be changed. And the only way we can put on Christ is to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. Every single one of us is a building of God. Do you believe that? Now, individually we are, and also collectively we we make up the habitation of God here in this place. We are the house of God. We are the building of God. But as I said, beloved, we cannot live on the foundation alone. We've got to build on the foundation. Thank God we've been born again, but we have got to do all the work that is necessary to repair this fallen state of the mind. In 1 Corinthians 3.9 it says, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are are God's building. If the new birth is the foundation, then the renewing of the mind is building the edifice. It's restoring that house to a state in which we can express the full knowledge of God. Where the love of God can flow, where the peace of God can flow, where the joy of God can flow. But if not, if I don't do anything about renewing my my mind, then I have my light hidden under a bushel. I'm on solid ground. I have a good foundation, but it's not flowing through my life. Every one of us needs to get involved in in renewing the spirit of our mind as God's building so that God can inhabit us in a greater way. Now, every single one of us should want to have more of God in our lives. Every single one of us should want to have a greater anointing, a greater degree of of the anointing, a greater measure of the power of God, the dunamis, the miracle-working power of God in our lives. Every one of us should want to have a greater manifestation of God's love and faith and all these wonderful uh, character traits of God within our lives. Every one of us, we should if we're children of the Most High God. But this is how we do it. It does not just happen. Every single one of us has got to become more seriously involved in renewing or restoring our minds so that we can be the full building of God and He can live in us and through us. I have got to think like He thinks if I want to walk like He walks. If I don't think like He thinks, then I can't act as He acted. So if I am to do the things that He did while He was here upon this earth, I've got to think like Him. I've got to speak like Him. I've got to act like Him. And the only way I can do that is if I set aside my own thinking and line up with His thinking. And if I do something about changing my own attitudes... I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Numbers in chapter 13. And in that chapter, we have a revelation of individuals who failed to change their attitudes before God. And we have some that changed their attitudes before God and they lined up with what God desired for their lives. And the outcome of both of these individuals or these certain individuals should impact our lives in a powerful way to make us recognize our need to adjust our own attitudes and do something with the way we think. You know the story in Numbers 13 where the spies went out to spy out the land, the promised land that God had provided them a glorious place of rest, of victory, of peace, of joy, health, and healing and every provision they could possibly imagine. Do you notice God is always trying to get His people to a place where He can be their God and provide their every need? But it wasn't easy for Him to do that. Why? Because of the attitudes that existed among His people. And beloved, it's no different for us today. The thing that really shuts God out is attitude and the way people think. You know, you cannot receive your healing because of an attitude that exists. 
And unless that attitude changes or there's an adjustment there, the healing power of God cannot flow. You can prevent yourself from receiving healing from the Lord if you don't think right with regard to God's healing power. If the way we think is wrong, that wrong thinking can prevent the divine flow of power. And I'll share with you a little bit later on about that. But in these, once again, these verses here in Numbers chapter 13, we see 12 men sent out to spy out a land. Ten of these individuals that went out had one attitude and two had another. But let's begin by stating this. Those that went out had the same assignment. Those that went out faced the same set of circumstances. Those that went out had the same responsibilities and the same duties. And those that went out observed the same situation. In other words, things weren't different for any of them. Every single one of them saw all things equal. But isn't it amazing how we all don't think alike? We see the same thing, but don't have the same perception of what we see. Or there's an overriding attitude that prevents the power of God from flowing in a situation. Now, they went out to spy out the land, the promised land. And when they did, they made these observations. In Numbers 13, verse 27. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. You will notice that the other ten, what they saw to them was devastating. What they saw was an insurmountable obstacle that they could not overcome. And why did they see that? Why was that their perception of the things that they saw? Because they did not take the time that was necessary to repair the way they thought about their God. They didn't put forth the effort and the energy to meditate upon the things that God said. Oh, they knew what God said. They knew God said that He would send an angel before them. They would drive out the inhabitants of the land, etc., etc., etc. But you see, it just was something that they knew that God said, but they never took the time to build their own house, to renew the spirit of their mind, to think things all the way through until it was clear to them that God would defend them and that God would protect them and that God would care for them. And so they went out allowing their carnal mind to rule their lives. As a result, all they saw was defeat. All they saw was despair. See, they were ruled by an attitude of their mind that was controlled by fear. Distrust. Disbelief. And all this was there. You talk about a mountain. It was a mountain. It was insurmountable as far as they were concerned. And I want you to see something here, beloved, because the unfolding of this will absolutely bless your heart. People like that very often cannot receive correction or reproof. Because no matter what you say, they think you're attacking them. Even God can't penetrate through their minds. When God speaks or someone reveals what God has spoken. To make adjustments in our attitudes is no small thing. No one likes to be told that their way of thinking is wrong or their way of doing something is wrong. I'll tell you what, I used to help my dad out, you know, in in construction when he did some work around the house or that sort of thing. I could never do anything right. I couldn't hit the nail right. I couldn't use the saw correct. I mean, everything I did was wrong. See, he had his own way of doing things. Anybody know about dads that have their own way of doing things? And no matter how you did it, it was wrong. But it was just it. It was wrong. Because it wasn't exactly the way he did it. 
He wasn't going to change the way he did it no matter what. But I, my thought was, as long as I get the board cut, what all matters? But see, he had his mind set on one way of doing it, and if it wasn't done that way, it was wrong. You know, some people have different tastes when it comes to different things. And if your taste doesn't line up to theirs, you've got bad taste. Well, did they ever stop and think maybe they've got bad taste? Right? Because, you see, what they think is one way. And they don't give room for anybody else to think the way they think. You see how hard it is for us to even think in line with each other? Can you imagine? God looks at us and says, Oh, my. I've got to work through all this confusion. I've got to break through this cement that's in their minds. He's got a problem, doesn't he? Dealing with all of our attitudes, dealing with all of our minds. But he gives us his word and says, look, make the adjustments if you want more of me in your life. Change your way of thinking if you want to have a greater measure of my power and the anointing in your life. For God doesn't change. We've got to change. Now, Caleb here was just a wonderful saint of God. He did his homework. He took the time to restore his mind. He took the time to think things through. He didn't just act without thought. He thought things through. He viewed the same thing as the others viewed. He saw the same scenario as the others saw. Yet he had a totally different outlook. He had a totally different attitude. He had a totally different perception when he came back. And he stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Men don't like to be criticized. Men don't like to be challenged. Men don't like to be told their thinking is wrong, their attitudes are wrong. But that's exactly what Caleb was doing. He wasn't being destructive in his criticism. All he was doing was trying to get them to understand that God is with them and God will defend them and God will help them. But you know what, beloved? You can see something that someone else cannot see. Now, that's one of the biggest problems we have in teaching people God's Word, that very often you can see certain things that others cannot see. They don't perceive, even though they have the same words, the same message being spoken to them, but they don't perceive it in their hearts. And so it's only intellectually learned, but it's not a true perception that they have, and it's not reality within their lives. And they try to act on something that is not a reality to them. Moses tried, Joshua tried, Caleb tried. They could not break through their minds to get these leaders to see what they saw. And so they were dominated by the spirit of an unrenewed mind. And that was enmity against God. Not just man, but against God. Look at the next verse. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They had an attitude of weakness. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. They saw great men of stature, and as a result, they cowered. And they, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and... We were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were, we were. So this is their perception of it. This is the attitude of their minds. These people are not going to have a greater manifestation of the power of God, a greater demonstration of the glory of God in their lives as long as they maintain those attitudes and thoughts. It's impossible. Even though God wants to do it, even though God has already made provisions to do it, even though the angels were already dispatched and told to go and lead them in, still they saw none of it. And so God was not able to do what He wanted to do for them. As we read on, And all the people lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. You talk about hopelessness. You talk about despair. Why? Because of a mindset. Why? Because of an attitude that just needed to be adjusted. You know, sometimes all you've got to do is make certain adjustments and you can turn on the flow of God's power. 
But they could not see that. They could not do that. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Now go on down. And let's read verse 6. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. I'll tell you what, sometimes those that even preach and teach God's Word, God's Word get the same way. Just want to rip their clothes off, man. Because aren't they getting it? Isn't anybody seeing it? Doesn't anybody perceive it? And sometimes you can get to that place that you kind of wonder, are we making any breakthrough? Are we making any headway? Is somebody getting a hold of the revelation? And that's exactly how they were. Come on, people. Don't you know that God wants to do so much for you? And here you are. Limiting the Holy One of Israel. So Joshua and Caleb, I mean, they just began to... To speak out, look at verse 7. They spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. They look beyond the giants. What a different mindset. What a different perception. What different attitudes they possessed. It was a glorious land, a good land, an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, and He does, then He will bring us into this land. Notice, it was nothing about their own strength. It was nothing about their own ability. They knew the giants were there. They knew how big they were. They knew that they were probably prepared for battle, etc., etc., etc. You and I both know because we've read a, a lot more into this and we discovered that their hearts already melted within them and their defense had left them already and they conceded the land before they ever tried to get over there. And you can find that in, in Joshua. It's all there written for us to understand that the enemy already conceded to defeat. They were defeated. They were going to give the land and the only thing that separated them from the promised land was an attitude. Was a wrong mindset. That was it. And notice this. He will bring us into this land. He'll give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not. What is enmity? It's rebellion against the knowledge of God. It's antagonism. It's an active force of hatred against the knowledge of God. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. What a perception. What a revelation. What an observation. In other words, here's what he's saying, if I can put it so that we can understand it. This is not to be considered an insurmountable obstacle. Negative situations, giants in the land, are not to be considered by God's people insurmountable obstacles. No, not at all. They're opportunities. They are opportunities. Opportunities for us to allow God to show Himself strong on our behalf and to demonstrate His mighty power and glory and His very character through our lives. Situations that are negative are not insurmountable surmountable obstacles, but opportunities for God. And that's why we're supposed to count it all joy when we encounter these difficult places in life. And that's exactly how Joshua saw it. And that's exactly how Caleb saw it. And I'm telling you, they were on the faith bandwagon. They were just going, you know... A crazy as far as believing God, believing that God would. They knew that He would. They knew that He could. I mean, they were just having a glorious time celebrating the Word of God in their lives. Their hearts were overjoyed. But can you imagine? These people don't see it. Can you see what they probably said to each other? Hey, Josh. What? They don't, they don't get it, do they? Uh-uh, they don't. These different tribes. What school do they go to? What Bible are they reading? What God are they serving? What denomination do they come from? They just don't see it like we see it, do they? And you can see them over there. The others, the other ten tribes, the, the leaders of the ten tribes, they're nothing but a bunch of fanatics. They're lunatics. What's this business? Believe what you don't see. We saw the giants. They say that God's bigger. I mean, what, what, what's going on here? 
We don't have that kind of understanding or perception. They're extremists. Don't follow them. You think this just started in the days in which we live. This has gone back all the way. And so they got upset. Joshua said, don't rebel against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. They are bred for us. Their defense has departed from them. Joshua knew that. Their defense had departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Now, I like this. This is not how to receive constructive criticism. Okay, look at the next verse. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. Could you put your bookmark there, please, and go to Proverbs 15 with me for a moment? Proverbs 15, 31 and 32 says, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth Understanding. Now listen carefully. I'm going to read it to you from the Living Bible. If you profit from constructive criticism, you will be elected to the wise man's hall of fame. But if you reject, reject criticism, or to reject criticism is to harm yourself and your own best interests. To reject criticism is to harm yourself and your own best interests. See, there are two kinds of criticism. There is destructive and constructive criticism. Destructive criticism is designed to ruin. It's designed to hurt people. It's designed to humiliate or to destroy people. But constructive criticism is designed to help, to encourage to build people up. It promotes growth and development. And a wise man will hear reproof. A, a wise man will listen to what someone else has to say and then make an adjustment in his attitude if he is shown to be wrong. These people would not make an adjustment in their attitude. They would not receive correction. Now, what makes the difference between destructive or constructive. In other words, how can I tell? It's by the motive of the person's heart. If I come to you with a condescending type of attitude and I put you down in what I'm saying and the critical remarks as I critique your life or what you're doing and all that, you know that I don't have your best interest at heart. But if I go to you in love and I share with you some truth that will help you grow and develop and promote your own growth and development, you know that that's constructive. That is something that is intended to build you up, encourage you, and enable you to improve in your walk with God. Now, Joshua and Caleb, their motives were correct. They loved the people of God. They didn't want them to be destroyed. They didn't want them to be ruined and cast down and overcome. They wanted everybody to enjoy the blessings of God. And so the remarks that they were making, they were not destructive, but they were constructive. But because these people had bad attitudes and because they didn't make the adjustment and they couldn't receive reproof, they were not seated among the wise. They were among the foolish. And really, the way they acted was not in their own best interest, was it? It was to their own detriment, as a matter of fact. So Joshua and Caleb tried to steal the people, tried to get them to change their mind, but they rejected the reproof and they lost out with God. Matter of fact, going back to numbers now, I'll show you exactly how bad their attitudes were. Let's just pick out a few verses here in chapter 14. Look at verse 10. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them. See, God was discouraged. God was absolutely disgusted with their attitudes. Their murmuring, their complaining, and never settling in on the Word to believe it and change their own mindset and change their own attitudes. They rebelled because of the enmity, because their their darkened state of mind, their inability to perceive beyond what they saw with their natural eyes. And you know, the Lord was upset with them and etc. But let's read on. Go on down to verse 12. 
21, But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. How do we provoke God? By not changing our attitudes. By not receiving His reproof and correction when it comes to the attitudes that we possess or the frame of mind that we maintain. But look at the next one. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit. He had the spirit of a renewed mind. He knew God. And he knew what God would do. And he trained his mind to believe God. Listen carefully. We believe God from the heart, but the mind has got to be renewed. The mind has got to, mind has got to line up to what the Word of God says. Or we conform to this world and its way of thinking. So be renewed, be restored, rebuild the spirit of your mind, he is saying. Reconstruct it, no matter how long it takes. And the sad part about this is you can't get help, a whole lot of help from everybody else because you know what? The bottom line is you can receive all kinds of good teaching, but if you don't do it, and if I don't do it for myself, it won't get done in my life. We can't do it for each other in that sense. But it's going to take work on our part and effort. And beloved, there's no greater reward but to do it and experience the best that God has for us. Now, because of his spirit, the spirit of his mind, he was taken into the promised land. You know that as well as I do. And the others did not because they provoked God. But go on over to chapter 14 and let's see. Let's look toward the end here. And verse 39. And Moses told these sayings unto all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and get them up into the top of the mountain saying, Lo, we be here and we will go up under the place which the Lord hath promised for we have sinned. Now all that sounds real good, doesn't it? They acknowledge their sin before God. And Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall, shall fall by the sword because you are turned away from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord will not be with you. Now stop right there just for a moment. Now these people that would not listen, they were stubborn, they wouldn't listen. Now Moses tells them, don't go. Oh, but buddy, we've repented. And when you repent, you can just go ahead and do what God said to do. But Moses says, wait a minute. You're being stubborn again after you just repented. God said, don't go. But no, we're going to go. Isn't that just like people, human nature? When we're supposed to do it, we don't do it. When we're not supposed to do it, that's when we do it. That's what they did. And the result of doing it, look at the next verse. But they presumed to go up. Under the hilltop, nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites, which dwelt in that hill, and smote them and discomfited them, even unto Hormah. Does this make any sense to you? How can we be this way? How can humanity be so stubborn? Can you imagine how God thinks about that? And as I said, we can read on in, in great depth and discover all that took place here. You find out that the enemy conceded. He gave, they gave up. They gave him the land. All they had to do was to make an attitude adjustment in their minds and they all would have been enjoying milk and honey. The full benefits of God in a glorious place, a glorious land. All provisions and all that. Beloved, I ask you tonight, what kind of an individual are you? What kind of an individual am I? Am I a Monday morning mourner, murmurer, complainer? What kind of a disposition do I maintain in my thinking? Do I murmur all day long and then say, Lord, bless me? Do I complain and complain about everything I've got to do in life? Hour after hour after hour, am I so pessimistic? Am I so negative? Is every obstacle to me insurmountable? Every single thing I view or see in life, I've got a story this long about, you don't know how tough life really is. You haven't been in my shoes, and etc. and etc. Is that the kind of disposition I maintain? Is that the kind of attitude that I have in my life? 
You see, if it is, then God is speaking to our hearts and He's saying that mindset is enmity against me. Make an adjustment in the way you think. Don't be so negative. View negative situations as being opportunities for God to show Himself strong on your behalf. And so when you see that obstacle, say, Glory to God, this is an opportunity for me to let my God live big in my life. Not, oh, another one. Oh, I just had this happen yesterday. Now what am I going to do today? This is horrible. You don't know how many things I faced this month. I mean, to tell you, but you know that all catch all scripture, but God won't let you handle any more than you can. Boy, that needs to be taught better, doesn't it? My goodness, we have to kick that thing over. That's not what that's talking about. You know, God gave me this headache yesterday. He's probably going to give me a bigger one tomorrow. You never know what God's going to do. God's not out there pouring out all your problems and building mountains to stand in your way between yourself and success and victory. No, it's the enemy that's coming against you that you and I have got to maintain a right understanding in our hearts and minds about His activities and His wiles and all that so that we can be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. If we change our mindset, we could put God to work for us, praise God. Those are opportunities that are out there. You'll, you'll rise up and say, I won't let that opportunity pass me by. I want to show God in my life. I want God to demonstrate His power through my life. So rather than complaining and murmuring about life and how hard it is and how, you know, how much there is for us to do and how we face all these difficult situations in life, you might not have as many if you'll start calling them opportunities and not obstacles. Amen? Amen. And notice they kept these people out of the promises of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be kept out of the promises of God. I want to have the full benefit, what about you, of the covenant. I want everything that God has to be manifested in my life, don't you? Most importantly, I want Jesus to live through me. How can Jesus live through me if I get up every day and I murmur and complain about life? And I just rehearse my problems day after day after day. Can you see Jesus coming down from the mountain saying, Oh, another leper. Oh. What am I going to do? Another leper. And then someone else tugs him, pulls him by his hem of his garment. What are you doing down there? I mean, people, let me alone. I mean, I can't even get any sleep. I can't eat. Can you see Jesus being like that? Could you? I can't see him being like that. No. If anybody for three and a half years had opportunity to get kind of discouraged and irritable, I mean, come on, let me alone, please. His disciples, he and his disciples sometimes had no time to even eat or rest because they were thronged with people constantly, continuously pouring themselves out. Can you imagine the calls he got at night? Think about it. I read some places where he was up either all night praying or he was praying for the sick all night long. He was doing all kinds of, of things. But he never complained. I saw him one time heal somebody. And after he did, he wasn't done ministering to the fellow. And the fellow was, was kind of hidden in the crowd and in the temple. He chased him down. He hunted him down. He found the fellow and said, I'm not done talking to you yet. Now go and send the more or less the worst thing come upon you. He was so concerned about one guy. Can you imagine that? One guy who was healed, but he knew if I don't tell this fellow to watch his step and to, to live his life right before God, then this fellow is going to get worse and worse things are going to come upon him. He went out to find him. What a spirit he maintained. What an attitude of mind. What about this? I'm here to do the will of my Father. And what he tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. You see, beloved, men that please God are men that walk with God and conform to His will. They were men that made a decision to renew themselves in the spirit of their mind and recognize life as being full of opportunities to let God live through me. Someone says, but I just want to go through life without any problems. Well, go to heaven because that's the only way you're going to find no problems in your life. Right? That's the only way. But while you're here on this earth, you will have challenges, opportunities, not obstacles, opportunities. And next time you face one, put a smile on your face. Remember old Josh and Caleb? 
Think about the things they said. Man, this is bread for us. The enemy's defense has departed from them. God is on my side with me, for me, and in me. And thank God I am more than a conqueror through Him that loves me. What a glorious day of opportunity as I celebrate life in Christ. You know what will happen to you? You'll be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You'll face challenges as a victorious person who is operating at the right hand of the Father next to Jesus and not as one here on the earth without any help whatsoever. That's your position in Christ. You'll operate from that position in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus and you will know that together the two of you make up the majority and you cannot be defeated. You'll not be overcome. You are the victorious one because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. God has given us this Word to renew our minds, to rebuild ourselves in the spirit of our mind, to deliver ourselves from our corrupt reasoning faculties. That's why He gave us this Word. And all He wants us to do is to develop this spirit, this attitude of a conqueror and not this attitude that is pessimistic or negative, this attitude that says my life is nothing but full of obstacles and I just cannot see how I can make it. These giants are standing in my way. If it wasn't for the Canaanites, if it wasn't for the Amorites, if it wasn't for the Hittites or the Jebusites, if it wasn't for all these ites in my life, the termites and everything else, I would be all right. But I want you to know something. Get your eyes off of all that like Joshua and Caleb did. Forget about all that. They're going to be there whether you acknowledge them or not and start getting your eyes on God like Joshua said. They're bread for us because God is with us. He is for us. He is in us. That's the attitude of mind He wants us to maintain. And thank God we cannot be defeated because it's in Him we live and move and have our being. And by the blood of the Lamb and word of our testimony, I'm an overcomer. Thank God I'm an overcomer. I'm not a complainer. I'm an overcomer in this life. And you know what? You'll have more of God. You'll wake up with more of God in your life. So let's all make adjustments in our attitudes. And as we face everyday life, let's do so with this attitude of a conqueror. And you won't be disappointed. Amen. Let's stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.